Hello, welcome to the Dear Writer podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between. Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to Dear Writer. Hello to any returning listeners and hello to any new listeners that we might have. We are recording episode 60 today, which is one of our main episodes on craft. And today our subject is dialogue, which I'm very excited for. Me too. It's one of my favorite things to write when you know writing chapters and things. So I am looking forward to having a bit of a chat about it. Definitely. It is a very fun topic to discuss. <laughs> to have a dialogue about. <laughs> Exactly. Dialogue about dialogue. But before we do that, we should have a chat about what we've been up to the last month or so. Yeah. So I guess for me, it doesn't feel productive, but I kind of have been productive. It's one of those sort of months, I guess. So I I think last time I just started writing um, another one of my Simon chapters, which had I'd had to split into two, so I was writing part two. So I had hoped to be finished that, but I'm now 4,000 plus words through. So not quite finished, but I'm getting pretty close. So I'm happy with that, I think. And I also randomly wrote a chapter for our teen fiction novel, Darkness Set Us Free. Not really sure why I felt suddenly inspired to write that chapter, but I wrote it. (laughs) So that's good. It was a really nice change of pace as well, because for the Ancient Greece book, it's just so much research all the time. It's like every sentence, it feels like I have to like pull it out of my brain and like paste it onto the page. But for the teen fiction, it was kind of fun to just write it and see what happened. So yeah, so that's my, that's my month. How's your month been, Sarah? It's been pretty good. So I have nearly finished my next chapter of our ancient Greece book. I think I've got probably about three to 500 words left, although it may end up being a little bit longer by the time I draw the scene out. But I also rewrote a scene for our second teen fiction novel, The Price of Pandemonium, and have been doing a bit of editing for that, which has been a lot of fun. Editing fun. (laughs) Two words that don't usually go hand in hand. Not usually. I think, you know, bits of it can be a little bit dry, but certainly rewriting the scene, once I had rewritten it, I was like, so it was challenging because, you know, you look at it and you're like, well, I can't, you know, I had to ask myself, what is actually wrong with this? And it turned out that there wasn't like enough emotion or something in the chapter. (laughs) I mean, there's... Show and not tell, but when you're showing something, you also need to show the emotion. Although I thought that I was showing and not telling, I was actually just telling the events of what was going on and not inserting stuff to like round out the chapter, the scene, because it was an action scene. And I was like, how how do I do that? How do I? I worked it out and it's so much stronger now. <laughs> it It turned out so much better. It was one of those things where you don't, but you can tell something's off with it, but it's just fine, you know, if you know what I mean. Like when yeah. you read it, you're like, it, it was fine. 
like just fine. But now that you read the revamped version, you're like, oh, no, 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 this is much better now. It's like yes. much, much, much better. So that's cool. It's always exciting to read. I don't know why it's so fun reading back some of the teen fiction books when you get to have a bit of a break from the ancient Greece one. Yeah, it is fun. The other thing that I wanted to mention, because it has been interrupting my writing life a lot, and I'm kind of at a point where I can tell everyone this now, I mean, well, I've decided to tell everyone this now, is that I am pregnant. So exciting. <laughs> I know. I'm basically 20 weeks as of today when we record this, but I've also had quite a few complications, which is why I'm at home. And last week we found out we had even more complications. So you, this week writing has just fallen by the wayside completely. Which I feel is totally understandable though. Yes. But that's why it's been a little bit slow. It's because I've been trying to kind of get my head around this and cope with it and then low motivation, feeling tired, all of that stuff. So bear with me if I sometimes seem like I'm not on Instagram very much or I'm not responding to messages and stuff as I would usually. This is why. <laughs> anyway, it's very exciting though. It is very I exciting. Can't <laughs> I can't either. I'm so excited. So I have a, a little mini, which is so exciting. Very cool. Yes. <laughs> it does mean that in the new year, well, not till like April, May, but things might be a little bit interesting with the podcast at that point. I'm not 100% sure what we're going to do. Probably try and record some episodes ahead of time so you guys still get the episodes, but we'll see kind of how it goes. So just fair warning. Changes in the near-ish-ish future. <laughs> yes. Okay, so we can probably start on our main episode subject matter, dialogue. Yes. Now that we've had a dialogue, <laughs> I'm just like so excited to use that term all the time today. <laughs> so obviously, as we've mentioned, today's episode is going to be all about writing good dialogue in fiction. It's a very important tool that writers have to use in our writing toolbox. So I kind of thought we'd break this into two sections. The first section, we can talk about the actual physical writing of dialogue, so the kind of technical basics around it. And then in the second part, we would talk about it as a literary device because you can use dialogue for more than just obviously conveying conversation. So that's sort of the rough outline I thought we would go through first. So I guess as a starting point... The question is, what is dialogue? And the answer is that dialogue is a conversation between people in a narrative work, very basically. When I was doing research for this topic, I did come across quite a good quote by someone called Jerome Stern from the book Making Shapely Fiction. And his quote was, dialogue is not just quotation. It is grimaces, pauses, adjustments of blouse buttons, doodles on a napkin, and crossing of legs. So basically, dialogue is a lot more than just the words a character speaks or, or thinks, because obviously there's internal dialogue as well. Yeah, and so broadly speaking, there are four main elements to great dialogue. So number one is what everyone thinks of when you say dialogue, is the spoken words and the direct speech that the character says. And number two is dialogue tags. So the words that tell us who is speaking and how they might be speaking. So the tone. And number three is speaker actions, 
what the character is doing before, during, and after speaking. And number four is supplementary thoughts and emotions of the speaker. So what the character is thinking and their emotional state before, during, and after speaking. Um, Just as a note on number four, I think number four is kind of bound within the, the rest of it. To me, the emotions and the thoughts sometimes come across by a combination of the previous elements of the spoken words, the speaker actions. But, you know, it can also be a supplemental thought if it's from your protagonist. Obviously not if it's from a secondary character because you don't have that connection with their thoughts. Yes, so I thought this, you know, after kind of giving you a brief overview of what this dialogue business is all about, um, it leads us into a good discussion about how we try and use these components when we're writing dialogue scenes. And in particular, how we use it to make dialogue sound more realistic and engaging. Do you want to go first, Sarah? Sure. So for me, writing dialogue comes pretty naturally. I write with a very narrative style to begin with. So that helps. Like probably a lot of you don't know that, I mean, we write notes for these podcasts and, and, you know, sometimes I'll add stuff in like now I'm, you know, obviously (laughs) just going off the, the cuff, so to speak. But a lot of the time I'm also not going off the cuff and I don't think it's very noticeable because the way that I write is very narrative. So I think that makes things a lot easier. But, you know, everyone has to start somewhere. And my favorite technique is to write your piece of dialogue and then use the text-to-speech function on your computer to play it back to yourself. This allows you to close your eyes and imagine the scene because obviously you can't do that if you're just simply reading it aloud to yourself. That's not exactly an option when you're reading (laughs) but by closing your eyes you're relying only on your hearing and I know the speakers on your computer can sound a bit robotic but it does work pretty well (laughs) like if it's just straight talking without speaker actions or it doesn't have enough dialogue tags then you're soon going to be confused without being able to read along (laughs) and You know, sure, you might argue that's what a new line, new speaker rule is for. But for most readers, if you're using dialogue tags correctly, they become almost invisible anyways. So I probably wouldn't worry too much about um, using too many of them, although we do try and keep ours to said more than trying to use like a copious amount of different dialogue tags and you know this helps as well with being able to convert your book into an audio book because if you don't have enough dialogue tags or speaker actions then it's going to be noticeably confusing in the audio book form it's confusing to read too when you have like multiple pages and you have to like go back two pages to remember what order the speakers are in. yeah yeah you know if you've got more than like If you've got like a paragraph of 
straight dialogue. Sure, you might enter a new line, but by the time the reader gets to the bottom of that like long section of speaking, they've forgotten which line belongs to who. So I would definitely add in like a dialogue tag every now and then so that the reader can be like, oh yeah, that's right. I just read a line from this person. Now it's this person's turn to speak. Because as well, people don't always speak one after the other because that would be a bit robotic. You know, sometimes they'll pause for a thought and then they'll continue the train of thought in a different direction or a new direction. And that's more natural speaking. So it gets confusing if you don't have enough tags. But also for the emotion part of it. So I always ask myself when I'm listening to a section of my work being read aloud to myself is that can I work out what the character is feeling with all these things combined? And as I said, for me, it's I view it more as a combination of the other three elements, you know, because you usually work out what the character is feeling by their actions, their facial expressions, and the words that they speak. And if the emotion isn't coming through, you might be lacking another element. So maybe you haven't got enough action tags, for example. Or maybe you need to reword the character's speech because it should be immediately apparent to your reader without explicitly saying something like, I felt angry in the next sentence. And also think about the order that you write these structural elements in was the other thing that I was going to add. I often find that writing the action sentence before the dialogue reduces, well, I say dialogue, before the speech, because all, all parts of this, as we discussed, <laughs> is dialogue. But writing the action sentence first reduces the need to use the dialogue tags because it becomes apparent who is talking when the speech follows directly after a character action. And it also gives the reader information about the character's state of mind before they speak. So then it can give the words themselves more context and tone. And so I've got a short example from the chapter that I was writing, which is Helene narrowed her eyes. But you were telling the truth, weren't you? Consider this sentence if you were to change the position of the action statement. But you were telling the truth, weren't you? Helene narrowed her eyes. So you probably noticed that I changed the intonation on the question because in the first we know that Helene isn't quite believing what she's hearing. So it's more a rhetorical question that's being asked. But if you change it around, you don't have that knowledge of how she's feeling before the sentence comes. So in that case, the question becomes an actual question, but you were telling the truth, weren't you? Instead of, you were telling the truth, weren't you? <laughs> this is testing Sarah's acting yeah, skills. It's just like little things like this. <laughs> and also, because if you put the action sentence after, but you were telling the truth, weren't you? Helene narrowed her eyes. It sounds quite blunt because you don't immediately know that it's Helene talking either. So it's blunt and a little bit confusing as to who is talking. You can kind of work it out when it's on the same line, but at the same time, for clarification, I'd be tempted to put Helene said and narrowed her eyes or something like that rather than 
just the blunt Helene narrowed her eyes. It also comes off a, quite accusatory that way round. It does, yeah. Rather than what your intention is, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, it, it is very, it's really like the nuts and bolts of grammar and how things change when you switch stuff around. But it's just things to think about, you know, like, do you want to put this part at the beginning of the sentence or do you want to put it at the end of the sentence? And you might need to change it around depending on like the flow of the previous sentences as well. Like if you had a whole lot of action sentences at the start and then continued that for like sentence after sentence, the flow is going to be a bit strange. So obviously you need to mix it up a bit, but generally speaking, I like to put them beforehand if I can to give Mm -hmm. the reader a bit more information before they get the tone of the actual speech coming across. Sorry, that was very long-winded. <laughs> okay. How about you? How do you incorporate these components into your writing? Right, so first I usually will just write down the dialogue scene as I imagine it without trying to be too concerned about all of the other bits around it. So I just try and get the speech down. And then it's usually quite a rough first draft at that point. But then once it's down, I can have a read of it and just make sure that to me, at least, it sounds realistic. And if it's particularly tricky, I'll often read it out to myself. But it's actually really good for getting rid of like really fluffy sentences as well, because sometimes you can accidentally get a bit carried away and there's obviously shorter ways to say things. So that's what I do first, get the speech down. And then I start to think about you know, trying to imagine it more clearly, think about how it's being said, trying to imagine what the characters are doing and thinking, uh, and then adding those extra bits in. So the actions and the thoughts and more of the dialogue tags then round out the dialogue scene a little bit more. So I picked an example as well. I was trying to find, I've got my example from When the Rain Falls, so our book, which you can buy now if you so choose on Amazon um, or other, pretty much every lot of other platforms as well anyways um it took me a while to find a piece of dialogue mostly because I didn't want to give anything away so I had to find bits of dialogue that weren't going to give away any of the plot so I've picked a random piece but it does have all of the four points in it so I thought I'd share that and we can have a bit of a chat about it so it goes are you nervous I whispered to Dylan hell yes he said don't tell Lizzie though he added with a forced smile Me too, I said. I think it's normal, right? He asked, fidgeting. Definitely. Uh, Levi shoved a rifle into my hands. I hope your aim's improved, he said with a wink. Me too, I muttered under my breath. Hopefully we won't need to use them, Dylan said to me. At least someone was still sane. So we've got all four points. I was trying to find one that also had a thought in there at the end. (laughs) So, (laughs) So we have thoughts, we have dialogue tags, And lots of them are saids, but we've thrown in a couple, like whispered and asked, but nothing too outrageous. Yeah. (laughs) We like to keep, I feel like we've probably got maybe five or six dialogue tags (laughs) that we would generally use, like mostly said, and then, you know, there's like whispered or asked or replied. Muttered. Muttered. That's probably about it, apart from commented, (laughs) which we get rid of. So, So, yeah, that's an example of 
ways that you can combine all of the things we were talking about into a piece of dialogue. And I'm never a massive fan of the like just pages of like, you know, like we were talking before, just like new line, new speaker, new line, new speaker without any actions or anything. Because I feel like it's kind of unrealistic because surely they'd be doing something or Mm -hmm. changing their tone or like you said before, pausing to think, you know what I mean? Or the character thinks something without saying it. So I, I find that, you know, usually there's a lot more happening in a conversation between two people than just robotically exchanging words I think it depends on so when you think about point of view there's you know a degree of intimacy that the writer allows with the character and that differs on like a spectrum so at one end of the spectrum you have you can hear every single thought from the character and this this you know this can be first person or third person On the other end of the spectrum, you can have no thoughts from the character and it's a story that's written very objectively from the narrator. And I think more with that style, you'd end up with probably a little bit less of the, like the thoughts coming in between and that kind of stuff. But there should still be something to kind of break it up. I agree. (laughs) Something. Um, yeah, I guess we tend to more towards the more personal slash character stories, yes. which is why yeah. and very focused on relationships between characters and things like that. So that's why our characters often will let their thoughts leak across as a more intimate end of the spectrum, whether we're writing in third person or first person. So, but you know, not everyone does it that way. So I guess you could end up with a more concise piece of as my writing group would say snappy (laughs) (laughs) but yeah you know like you're still gonna have your action sentences like because even as a narrator who can't hear any thoughts you can still see what's going on so you you should still have something to break it up in between sorry I interrupted you oh no no that's okay I was gonna move on anyways I was going to move on anyways and just ask if we had any other tips about actually writing the dialogue that we wanted to share. Mine's going to be more grammar focused and (laughs) the technical things. So I have a bit of a pet peeve when it comes to using correct grammar along with dialogue tags. So when you think of, you know, someone says something, they have like their little, you've got your speech marks, your closed speech marks. The dialogue tag is a part of that sentence. You don't need to put a period at the end of your speech and then have he said or she said afterwards. It's still technically speaking part of the same sentence. So that's why, you know, you always tend to see a comma and then he said, she said. The other thing to note with dialogue tags is that if it's anything other than the way someone speaks, so e.g. said, muttered, whispered, as we've kind of talked about, so those are ways that you can say something, it shouldn't be a dialogue tag if it's anything other than that. And it should rather be part of a separate action sentence. So speech cannot be shrugged, smiled, nodded, or any other form of action. Basically, if the verb can be used without making a sound, 
it's an action and not a dialogue tag. <laughs> I don't know why that annoys me so much. When I see like comma, he smiled. And I'm like, how does he smile the words? <laughs> well, you said you like imagine it literally. You're like, no, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Like my mind can't compute this. It's a real like grammar nerd thing, I think. But you'll see in professionally edited books that it would be a very rare mistake for you to see, um, you know, a period of speech followed by a comma and then he smiled. You might see a period of speech and then full stop, he smiled, because in that case, they've closed the, the sentence and they've created a new action sentence by, you know, using the period and then he smiled as a new sentence. But... It should never be part of the same sentence as your speech. So th- those are my tips for at least grammar tips. <laughs> it's very useful though, because if you get the grammar wrong, it can really screw up what you're trying to say. So it's important to get it right. And it annoys people too, if you get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it frustrates me at least. And me, I, I always pick stuff. I'm like, oh, like, why have you done this? This grammar is incorrect. Yeah. I hope I've described that in a way that makes sense because sometimes I struggle to describe that. I'll be like, you've done this quite a few times, but and then I'll be like, oh, how do I explain this? <laughs> Anyways, what are your tips, Ashley? Um, so mine's more about having dialogue sounding natural. This has mostly come up in quite a few of the pieces that I've been critiquing over the past little while, where for some reason people tend to have really, I'm calling it fluffy dialogue that their characters say, and when really the things that they could be saying could be a lot shorter. I've I've written an example. I did not find this example. I made this example up, but I think it illustrates my point quite well. So for example, this is in speech marks. I would prefer that we go on a walk to the beach. It's, it is a nice day outside, as an example of dialogue, versus you could just say, I'd rather go to the beach. It's a nice day. It's just like shorter and removing a lot of the unnecessary words that generally, like I don't speak <laughs> with a lot of you know, extra words. You're usually using contractions, that kind of thing. And when you actually read it out, you can also often tell if it's too difficult. Like I struggled to read that first yeah. sentence anyways because it just was so unnatural. You wanted to say a contraction instead I of I did. I did. It is. It is a nice day outside. You wanted to say it's a nice day outside. It's really common to have it written out like that for some for some reason. I've I've noticed it a lot recently, which is why I thought I'd mention that point. Just have a think about, you know, the sentences that you've put down for your character to say. Is it really realistic? If you were talking to your friend or someone about wanting to go for a walk to the beach, like how would you say it? Maybe just say it to someone and see what comes out. My second point would just be about keeping this is more of a preference thing, but I think it still kind of stands. Keeping your dialogue or at least your speech relatively relatively short, as in if your character is going to give a massive long speech, don't have it span like 10 lines. Have it span a couple lines and then break it up with something and then continue on. Um, it's another thing I kind of noticed from my critique sessions where a character is going on a 
says a massive speech and it's like half a page long and halfway through you forget you actually forget that they're speaking because it's been so long since the speech marks opened so in situations like that or I generally personally I don't really like my dialogue going over three lines without at least breaking it breaking it up like maybe the other character looks at him funny or comments or the character like takes a moment and then like restarts just to give the reader a little bit of a break from getting through the large amounts of dialogue yeah and on that point like so if you are having a big speech the correct way to do it especially if you change topic in the middle of that speech and the character follows a slightly different chain of thought is that you would usually not close the initial part of speech in the first paragraph so don't close it with speech marks enter a new line then start the speech marks again which denotes that the same character is talking but we really very rarely use this because it's like Ashley said why not break it up with something that they've done or an action sentence in the middle in which case you don't need to have the weird part where the speech isn't closed and then it opens with new speech marks or whatever so we just avoid that um, particular yeah just avoid it entirely <laughs> technique entirely <laughs> I don't think we've ever no, we have there's there's have one we? section in the price of pandemonium ah. I think you got confused when you were editing and you like closed it and then reopened and I was like oh but that's not technically correct unless there's something in the middle of it so I just like took off the speech marks so there is we have used it once I will say <laughs> So maybe we should break it up. (laughs) You know, it might change. It might not be there when you come to reading The Price of Pandemonium. So we shall see. Anyways. (laughs) So yeah, those are my two points. Just kind of about making it feel more realistic, I guess, were mine. I think we had a good balance there. You went for grammar. I went for kind of realistic. Always a grammar queen. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So now that we've had a bit of a chat about how we actually physically write passages of dialogue I thought we could move on to some of the reasons why why writers uh, use dialogue as a literary device because dialogue as I kind of mentioned before offers a lot more than just relaying speech Um, so do you want to go first Sarah? Sure so there's the obvious point that speaking is a huge form of communication in real life so your characters should also use it as a form of communication to make the book feel real. But I would say that it's also very important for secondary characters who we don't often see into their thoughts the way we would with the protagonists. So for the secondary characters, their speech and actions become the only way for your readers and for your protagonists to judge the intentions and motivations of the secondary characters and Therefore, it has a lot more importance to the overall story. And because of this blind point that's created as well, the fact that your character can't read minds, usually, it makes it really fun to play with speech. So we all know how easy it is to misinterpret people and how easy it is to take something the wrong way. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. So if you find the perfect words you can twist your character's perception of what might be a quite innocent situation into something that's more sinister. And 
using speech, you can create all kinds of conflict. And some of that conflict could be real conflict, and some of it could be imagined from the perception of your protagonist. So that's what I really like about dialogue. It is always really fun to, we like doing that a lot with our teen fiction books. Yes. <laughs> Having mis- things misconstrued, it's, it's fun. And it's a great way to make your book a lot more dynamic as well. Yeah. I mentioned this earlier. I love using dialogue and it feels like it's one of my fallback things to progress the story. You know, when you're trying, when you're like, oh, I'm trying to describe something, I prefer just to break stuff up with dialogue. In fact, a lot of our um, ancient Greece chapters are predominantly dialogue, which helps, I think, the story move forward. I think it helps you convey a lot of backstory too. It does. without a lot of context. Yeah especially when we're writing, you know, about our historical fiction, the context and the background and a lot of the information that we need to put out there. Um, Well, there is a lot of it and it's better to convey it through dialogue rather than dumping tons and tons and tons of exposition in there to try and get some of that down. So a couple of the points I had about using dialogue, I find that it's really, really great for helping establish one, the tone of your novel, but also seems obvious, but helping give your characters their distinctive voice because everyone speaks differently. And if you can really nail the way your characters speak, it really helps, you know, give them that distinctive um, edge in your book Uh, and finally it is a great way to progress the plot because it's so well one we just talked about how fun it is to reveal conflict between characters through dialogue but it also can really help just generally progress your plot as well which I have some examples of later on because I think we'll talk about that a little bit more I just feel like being able to use dialogue to do that makes your book feel more real and more dynamic rather than uh, just using narration to show things yeah I like using dialogue more (laughs) so I briefly mentioned using dialogue to establish character voice but also establishing characters as well and it is a really important function that dialogue serves so I thought we could talk a little bit about how we try and give our characters distinctive voices through using dialogue so I think Ashley's got some pretty good examples of this, so I'm not going to go into too much depth, but voice is achieved using all the parts of the dialogue described at the start of this episode, speech, actions, emotions as well, and the dialogue specifically tells us about where they might be from, how they view the world, and what their thought processes are like. Um, especially when we are not granted access to a character's thoughts, as I was talking about before, because then it becomes your major way of judging what a character is like as a reader. Yeah, so I basically picked out, I tried to find pieces of dialogue that we've used recently to try and really highlight how using dialogue can help show you or help show the reader the differences between characters and I've actually picked a section from our ancient Greece book where one of the characters is from the past and one of the characters is from the present because it feel like this really shows the contrast that you can create through dialogue to show that there's you know the differences between the characters that are there and you'll notice in the piece that I'm about to share with you you can tell a lot about the time periods where the characters are from by the choice of words and the way that they're speaking 
Do bear in mind, this is still a first draft from our ancient Greece novel, uh, but I think it does illustrate the point quite well. So, to her credit, Helene looked truly taken aghast. What a horrid accusation, Helene snapped back. No one has put me up to anything. I heard word that my husband was dead, his body left to rot outside the city. She swallowed down her tears. And I find you wandering around, possessed by the Mayne, next to... Honestly, are you high or something? Simon interrupted. And who the hell are the mayonnaise? Helene's cheeks flushed with rage. That's all you have to say? I suppose you'll ask me who Zeus is next. I know who Zeus is, Simon muttered under his breath. So it's one of those ones that you can really tell which one, or hopefully you can tell which one is the time traveler who's arrived in ancient Greece and which one is the person who usually lives in that time period. So yeah, just an example on how you can use dialogue to portray characters differently. Hopefully that was helpful. Yeah, I think it was a very good example, that one. Yeah, oh, when we were thinking about it, I was like, oh, I could use Price, uh, not Price Pandemonium, something from When the Rain Falls. And I was like, no, I know a really good example like right off the top of my head that I think will show it more clearly rather than, you know, subtle mm-hmm. differences. Yeah, and that's why, you know, I looked to see if there was anything I could add to that. And I was like, nope. very good contrast I'm just gonna leave it at that so the other point I thought we could talk about with respects to dialogue is how you can use it to progress plot and pretty much why it's important and how you can physically use it uh, for plot progression if you wanted to go first Sarah I did want to say that you know it depends on the kind of book that you're writing And if you've got like a lone character survival story, you might not use much dialogue, but there will still be some. And in, you know, the scenario with a lone survivor story, this might be done by utilizing flashbacks or monologues and imagined conversations. And internal dialogue as well, probably. So there's still ways to use it. Yeah. Yeah. So it definitely does break the story up into more manageable chunks for the readers and allows us to see another side of the character So how the character views themselves, internal thoughts, versus how they present themselves to the world, which is your dialogue, including speech and emotive responses and actions to the speech. The two can be quite different, which affects your plot. And I'm going to go back to my favorite subject of theme here. (laughs) (laughs) So the character... Sarah loves theme. Uh The character has something to learn in this book. So the internal thoughts and dialogue may not be the same or rather the way other characters view their dialogue and what's outwardly presented might be discordant from the way the characters view themselves and secondary characters can respond to this with their own dialogue which creates conflict to move the plot forward until the character ultimately learns the theme. So that's kind of how I view it in terms of progressing the, um, the plot. Which makes sense. I think it's really important, like the point you made about having everything in like manageable quantities for the reader to digest, because that's one of the biggest issues I found in my novel critique group, where you'll come across a whole chapter without any dialogue and it's all, could all be backstory, it could all be world building and suddenly you're like, this is just so much, like I need something or someone to help guide me you know, through all of this information, which is where dialogue could be really, really useful. So definitely agree with that. Yeah. I chose 
a another example to use because I was kind of thinking of how using dialogue can help like events progress rather than you just narrating the event happening if that makes any sense definitely so I picked an example to show like at the start of this example there's you know a bit of description about what's going on and then it moves into dialogue which I find helps progress what is happening and you could kind of imagine how you would do it if you didn't have the dialogue there so I thought I'd just read that out. And again, this one comes from When the Rain Falls. This is chapter one, or a part of chapter one. We've read this little bit out before. I actually don't know if yeah. we've read the whole piece out, have we? I'm not entirely sure. I think we have read it all out. It's okay, because this is mo- mostly just to show the dialogue section anyways. So it goes. I came up behind him and immediately felt like something was wrong. The night was still, except for the rain pounding on the veranda. But an undercurrent of unease made the hairs on my arms stand up in alarm. To top it off, the front door swung on its hinges in the, uh, with the wind, banging rhythmically against the doorframe. What the hell? Dylan said as we both stared at it. I don't like this, I said. All my instincts told me to run. Is anyone home? Dylan called out. Is everyone okay? No answer. Hello? Dylan said, louder this time. Nothing. It looks like this place has been broken into. Should we go in? I asked. Or maybe we should just call the police. It does. Someone might be hurt, though, Dylan said. We should check just in case. I ignored the feeling in my gut that told me to get the hell out of there and stepped forward. So you could easily have just been like, we walked up to the door. It looked like no one was home. We knocked on the door. There was no answer. I thought about calling the police, but blah, blah, blah. So I feel like in this case, the dialogue helps put all of those bits forward in like a more natural more natural way rather than just narrating it all out so that's kind of one example where you can use one example mm. of dialogue being used in that and way. I think the dialogue in that section adds a lot to the tension of the scene yes yes so is there anything else about dialogue that you wanted to add or chat about or should we move on I think we can move on cool so I guess we're on to mistakes of the month Weirdly, for the first time, I didn't find any mistakes of the month, which is incredible, although likely next time I'll find a whole heap that I've missed. (laughs) So my mistakes of the month next time will probably be quite substantial, is the word I'm looking for. (laughs) What about you? Did you have some mistakes of the month this month? Um, Well, there was one that I showed Ashley yesterday that wasn't really a mistake in our writing, but it made me laugh. So I labelled one of our podcast files air writer by accident so I left off the d to dare which actually seems mildly appropriate for this episode on dialogue since hearing the characters is as important as visual the visual part of the scene (laughs) so I thought I'd just leave that in there air writer that's amazing I love it definitely appropriate for today's episode as well it's funny the other one was and when I was re- rewriting the scene in The Price of Pandemonium, the soldier pushed the nuzzle of his handgun up against her head. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, nuzzle, I think that's the wrong word. <laughs> nuzzle. It sounds like weirdly compassionate, you know? like He's nuzzling the handgun yeah. up against her yeah. head. Very close. Like, and no, sir, it's intimate. a muzzle. <laughs> Two very different connotations. Yes, wrong letter. 
<laughs> Those were really the only two that I had, though. Okay, next next month we'll I'm sure we'll have more. Well, I definitely will have more. Alrighty then, so shall we wrap this up? Yes. So if you would like to be on an author spotlight episode, then you can apply by going to our website, lindersoncreations.com and hovering your mouse over top of the podcast tab in the main menu, which should take you to a link to be featured on Dear Writer. And next time on Dear Writer, it is another one of our culturing creativity episodes where we talk about ways that we can enhance our creativity in our life. And if you would like to know more about us um, or any of our writing projects, you can visit us on lindersoncreations.com or just get in touch with us on Facebook or Instagram under the handle Lindison Creations. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your pocketer of choice. Tell your friends about us and we'll be back next week. Happy writing, everyone.